listening to What the Truck. Hey, welcome everybody to What the Truck on this beautiful Monday uh, afternoon. I'm the dude, Michael Vincent, and he is Dooner. What's going on, Dooner? Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today live on What the Truck. Man, I sent you a video over the weekend. It's funny. I was on Freight Waves <laughs> Radio. I was on Freight Waves Radio. I'm talking to Ingrid Brown. We're talking about safety. She's a driver. We're talking about what's going on on the road. And she's like, these are the problems out here. We didn't even think to consider what you're about to see in this video. What happened earlier in the day in Florida. Our production team has a clip. Let's, uh, let's play the clip and then we'll break it down for you. Production, roll that wild tape in Florida. Florida be like, what the f***? Oh my god! <laughs> Yo! I mean, that's absolutely that's shocking crazy. footage. If you look at the end, too, the police even had to peel him off the hood of that vehicle. And when we were talking before we went on air, you have a lot of familiar. You've been in front of a lot of these trucks. And you're like, how does this man even get on top of their getting on a stationary semi truck of that size is jumping on there is is not an easy feat, let alone jumping on like the Terminator and holding on like a, like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger stunt double or something for nine miles. Michael Vincent, this went on for nine miles. Nine miles. That's unbelievable. I mean, we were talking about that. No pants, no shoes. Jump on a stationary truck like that. Can't do it. But moving down the road, I guess a leap from the guardrail or whatever. The guy didn't even turn on his windshield wipers, though. You know, this is this is one of those things where the video goes viral before the news comes out. So everyone has to make their own opinions on it. On social media, ABF Freight, whose truck you can see featured in there with their driver who's swerving back and forth with that guy on his hood, his hood ornament, they say, this was them on Twitter, I think we have a picture of it, it says, thank you to everyone who sent us the Florida video. The individual attempted to stop the truck on the highway, scale the hood, and attack the windshield with an object. Thankfully, our driver's okay, and the individual was taken into custody by the Florida Highway Patrol. Since then, there's been a statement that's been put out by the Florida Highway Patrol. They say that this character that was on the hood... He uh, and I was really suspicious about this because if you look at his state of dress or undress, I'm like, how did this all go down? He's got no shoes on. He's got no pants or shorts on. He's got like a half shirt riding. It looks like, uh, you know, he just got kicked out of somewhere or I I have no. But it turns out, according to the official report, he's there. He's driving down the street in a Toyota SUV with a passenger. He freaks out, runs across the highway. He sees this truck. He jumps on the hood of the truck. And this is when this all went down. The truck driver, it turns out, he says he just panicked. And then that's when he went nine miles shaking back and forth with this guy in this hood that the drivers, they caught that on camera. Fortunately, nobody was injured other than the gentleman who was attacking the windshield. I guess he bloodied his forehead and his hands. It turns out that's what he was 
hitting the windshield with. He's been put on a 72-hour hold for evaluation. This begs uh, the question, though, who is who's at fault here? What do you do in a situation like that? Well, <laughs> I think clearly the guy on the hood of the uh, hood of the vehicle is at fault for for what went down here, pending you know an altercation with these two guys beforehand. But it certainly doesn't sound like that. Uh, I mean, the driver, dude. What are you going to do, Dooner? You're cruising down the road and you're you're in your truck, you're driving, you're pulling doubles, you're going down a highway, and boom, a guy is on your windshield, beating through it with his forehead and his bare hands. Stopping the truck is what most people think. He should have stopped the truck and stuff. This guy's so crazy. He jumped onto a moving truck. He's beating his way through the windshield with his head and his hands. And he's making progress. If you've seen the pictures, he's making, he's going to get through that windshield. You pulling over the truck doesn't seem like the safest option to me if you're the driver. It looks like a Terminator movie. The, the uh, Some of the people in the peanut gallery are saying the load was rejected. It was a broker looking for a track and trace. It was, <laughs> you know, it was, and, and we can kid, and I think we can because nobody was injured, but that is a really scary situation. If you look at the speed that truck was going, if that driver was successful in shaking him, he is now, you know, at least up for manslaughter because that, they were moving fast. That's a very heavy truck. There's other traffic there. Dangerous, dangerous situation. You know, you hope everyone in there because this had like a cascading effect. You know, the first of all, the guy who jumped on the hood acts crazy. Then the guy driving starts acting crazy. Then the people actually taking the video act crazy. They said to him, should we call the police? And they're like, no, keep the video running. But someone needs to intervene. Obviously, the police had to come in. And when they did, they were able to pull the truck over and get someone off safely. So that would be my recommendation in a situation like that. What about the freight? You were saying to me that if that was your freight, not a single pallet would have moved during that altercation. Not, not if I was supervising the loading of it. No way, man. I knew what I was doing. I had some great talent on the dock when I was uh, in my roadway days. So I, I bet that freight is just fine. But the thing is, you know, he, the guy was pulling doubles, Dooner. And yeah. that's not the easiest thing to keep stable going down the road as it is, just with normal traffic and the things the drivers have to deal with. But then to intentionally be swerving side to side and keep that kite, as we used to call it, the kite trailer, the back trailer, keep that thing from starting to do a bullwhip on you. A lot. That's a dangerous situation. Yeah, a, a whole lot could have got could have gone wrong here. Fortunately, everyone seems to be fine. Hopefully, the individual on the hood gets the mental help that he needs while he's in uh, in lockdown. Um, let's get into the main topics here, though. First of all, we got to tip the band. Triumph Pay. Triumph Pay partners with brokers and shippers to process carrier payments. With nearly eighty thousand carriers paid, Triumph Pay provides a simple solution for your carriers to manage their payments in one place. With Triumph Pay, carriers can upload and submit paperwork, manage their payments, and connect to brokers directly from anywhere. To learn more, all you got to do is visit TriumphPay.com. That's right. Immediately after the program. Russ says, uh, can you share the video again? Russ, we, uh, I, I didn't, you know, we have an article up on FreightWaves.com that has the video. If you go to FreightWaves.com, it's also, this is going to be on demand. So if you missed any portion of this broadcast, you can, um, you can go to the article. We'll post around 3 p.m. Eastern time today. It's also on the FreightWaves TV app on podcast players everywhere. Obviously, you want to watch the video. So video better option for you, but, but check it out. And like I said, FreightWaves.com right now, I believe it's the first story up there. So if you did miss the video, feel free to check it out there. All right, uh, we have a couple quick headlines to get to, then we got to get to callers. So, uh, H1 Electric pickup truck, Lordstown Motors, is going public in reverse merger. Hearing more and more about these things. Alan Adler reports, electric pickup truck startup, Lordstown Motor Corp., is going public through a reverse merger with a special acquisition company. That's those specs. You know, we talked about that with Nikola. We talked about it with Helion. And uh, now we're talking about it with 
Lordstown Motors former workhorse group CEO Steve Burns created LMC in 2019 with the purchase of the former General Motors plant in northeastern Ohio. GM is investing $75 million in LMC, including a mortgage loan to LMC and money for retooling the plant. Yeah, right on. So Diamond Peak Holdings Corp has committed $675 million from its 2019 initial public offering and private investment in the publicly, public equity. Uh, so... <laughs> To, to basically to support this thing, the SPAC is created specifically to target a company for a friendly merger. Diamond Peak said it evaluated hundreds of companies before choosing LMC. The uh, PIPE or PIPE, which allows early investors to buy stock in Diamond Peak at a discount, is projected to raise $500 million for LM, uh, LMC. Uh, they released that on Monday, Duder. Yep. And it's this, like we mentioned, the space is getting more crowded by the day. Uh, here's some more news. We're going to actually talk to someone from XBO right after this headline, but XBO appoints nice. diversity offer, officer Kim Link Wills report. XBO Logistics has promoted LaKinta Jacobs to the newly created chief diversity officer effective Monday. Today, she'll provide cultural leadership and strategic direction as an advocate of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, XBO CEO Chairman Bradley Jacobs, he actually mentioned this at the, uh, what was it, the 3PL Summit just like two weeks ago. Yeah, he absolutely did. He put a huge emphasis on culture uh, and their human capital. And he also said that he is delighted that our first chief diversity officer is such a qualified candidate from within our organization. LaQuinta is is a unique talent. She uh, cares deeply about the human aspects of diversity and also knows how to advance cultural development within a public company of XBO size with almost 100,000 employees. You know what? Ron Ferretti says the driver is the professional. He should have pulled over, called 911 and walked away from the unit. You know, I would feel pretty strongly in that way if we were in a vacuum. But, you know, in the climate being 2020, you never know who's on your hood. He might not have had any way to defend himself when he pulled over. Not excusing the driver's actions here at all. Just trying to see it from both sides and to understand what was actually going on until we have more statements. It's really it's really hard to know, but I would definitely not recommend driving like that if someone's on your hood, especially if you're uh, if you have two loads. Shout out to uh, Eric Serta, uh, Amanda Miller, Rhonda, who's in the comments over here. Wayne Craig, Ingrid Brown, Tony, Emily Zink. Thanks all you guys. Brian Ritchie. OK, let's dial up uh, Lou Mo. He's the president of freight brokerage and expedite at XBO Logistics. He's going to talk to us about some of the digital initiatives that they have going on over there. And we'll get some uh, some clarity on what's up with XBO as we move into 2020. But an interesting been an interesting year for them. Lou and Mo, thank you for joining Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, having me. I'm excited to talk to FreightWaves and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, we're Excellent. Really... Welcome, Lou. Yeah, Lou, he's the president of XBO Freight Brokerage. Can you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us about your background with XBO and what brings you on air today. Yeah, a little uh, information on me. I joined XPO in uh, early 2012. It was a few months uh, after the company started. And at the time, I was around the 10th person hire, and we had just a small brokerage operation. I've been at XPO through all the acquisitions, uh, the integrations, and the organic growth. It's been a, a great experience. XPO Brokerage is now the second largest truck broker globally. We're proud of the growth over the last eight to nine years, but we're even more excited about the opportunities in front of us. Uh, also, uh, I want to say I lead an amazing team. I want to give a shout out to them and to all the XPO employees listening right now. Thank you for your commitment to our customers and carriers during the pandemic. We've, uh, we've rallied around staying safe and taking care of each other, and it's been a humbling experience, and I'm really proud of the team. 
Excellent stuff, Lou. So you've been there since the beginning. You were one of 10 employees in the beginning there in 2012. You've seen a lot of changes. But specifically, can you discuss some of the key changes that you've seen in brokerage over the years within XBO and and the industry? Yeah, that's a a great question. I've seen some big changes, especially in the last five to 10 years. Uh, the, The first is service. Customers continue to demand higher service levels. This includes everything from except decline ratios to on-time pickup and delivery metrics, real-time tracking, and even invoicing. Customers, they want a transportation provider that delivers high levels of service consistently. The, the second area of change that, that comes to mind is, is technology. Brokerage technology has improved dramatically over the years. There's more visibility into pricing, capacity, and tracking now. And the technology trend, it's accelerating. We're doing exciting things with our digital platform, XPO Connect. Automation, artificial intelligence, and and machine learning are at the core of XPO Connect. And in today's environment, our largest customers are asking us for accurate, real-time pricing and committed capacity. And technology allows us to do that. Um, More broadly, XPO has been investing in technology since the beginning. And technology is our secret sauce. Oh, yeah? Wow. Well, is it, so you're mentioning all this technology, and not everybody may be familiar, especially when a bunch of new tech products are brought in in freight. It can, it can be a little bit murky. So let's have some clarity here. What would surprise our listeners that don't know exactly about XPO's brokerage business and what you're doing with some of these digital fronts? Yeah, XPO Connect would surprise people if they haven't used it. It's our digital platform that automates brokerage processes end-to-end. And we integrate XPO Connect with both our customers and our carriers to deliver a lot of value. And an example there is customer integration. We have high levels of integration between XPO Connect and our customers' TMS systems. And and that integration allows us to provide real-time pricing and tracking information through APIs. And we leverage machine learning to make sure our pricing and capacity algorithms are getting smarter all the time. Over 50% of our orders are integrated directly with a customer's TMS system. And we're a leader in real-time pricing and uh, TMS integration. On the carrier side, we have massive capacity with thousands of carriers in XPO Connect. More than 60,000 carriers are on the XPO Connect platform globally, and it's growing. The XPO Connect app, DriveXPO, passed 150,000 downloads in Q2. And and drivers use our app to bid on transactional freight and dedicated freight. They can submit paperwork and receive payments electronically. And they can do all this from their trucks if they want to. And the the DriveXPO app, it's just one tool, though. We have a dedicated uh, resources and team focused on carrier integration. There's not one magic bullet. We integrate with carriers through APIs, EDI, direct-to-ELD devices, and we use cell phones in our app. An area where our integration tools have really paid off is real-time tracking. Our auto tracking functionality is up over 60% year over year. So the high levels of customer integration and the Drive XPO app are just a few examples of how XPO Connect would surprise people. 
That is surprising, Lou, and it's amazing. I, I really didn't realize, and I doubt that uh, that many of our, our listeners really realized just how deep uh, XBO is into digital technology and developing these these different type of things. And, and you know, you mentioned this; it's it's accelerating. And we've always talked before that these stresses on an environment and in stresses on the supply chain environment and trucking and brokerage specifically this year is helping to accelerate that stuff. Do you have more stuff to talk about there? Do you see that trend? Yes, yes. Um, I'd like to point out that tech is more than an initiative for us. We see technology, it's, it's the future of the industry. Uh, today, with COVID, it's driving customers to rethink uh, their supply chains and visibility and touchless transactions. And the, the intelligent technology, it's building momentum because the customers are demanding it. And you can see this trend given the investments in the brokerage industry over the last five years. You have the digital startups, you have the incumbent brokers that are investing in technology more than ever before, and then you also have the, the large asset-based carriers focused on growing their brokerage operations, and they need tech to do it. When, when we think about digital, we're constantly focused on automation and productivity to benefit our customers and carriers. We track every step of an order, and there's as many as 10 distinct steps in an order and then we automate each piece. 90% of our orders have at least one automated transaction. And XPO, we're well positioned in this digital space with XPO Connect, and XPO Connect's fueling our growth. Wow, Lou, uh, we are running out of time here, but there's a couple things I'd like to say. First of all, we'd like to welcome your new diversity officer, Lakinta Jacobs, the team. It's my understanding she starts today. I just read the article on FreightWaves.com, and it was one of our headlines this uh, this afternoon. Where should we send people to after the show? How do they learn more about XBO? Um, yeah, they can uh, email me directly, lou.amo at xpo.com, and I can uh, get them to the right people internally. Perfect. Thank you very much for your time today, Lou, and keep up the great success with XBO. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. Wow. Thank good stuff. I've been doing a lot of stuff. You know, Michael Vincent, sometimes you always hear like, oh, what's going on in tech? Nothing's happening in tech. It's a bunch of hubbub, especially from some of those paywall old fashioned sites out there. Well, a lot of these companies are using tech, right? You're boiling the frog. You're using it before you even know you're using it. Yeah, absolutely. You are. It's and it's been in it's been in progress for for years, as Lou was talking about. I mean, he's been there since 2012. He's seen a, th- a lot of different changes. And as technology technology develops, these changes, digital brokerage, the 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 apps, the load matching, et cetera, the payments, all of this technology has been disrupting this for years. And like he said, and we've talked about before, you know, now more than ever, as we go through this, the acceleration is really taking place. And I think it's bringing that to the forefront. And I think people are starting to realize that this technology is here. It's very useful. And this acceleration is really putting uh, logistics freight in the forefront of really uh, technology and disruption of technology in there. Janet Turner says, hey, from Central Florida, Russ Damon is here. Amanda Whitfield says, was the bug on the hood on drugs? Well, I don't know. Bath salts, those were big a few years ago in Florida, weren't they? Robert Boosty says, dude, XBO is getting huge, getting huge. They're being huge. They're a massive company. They've had a big turnaround in the stock market from when they had that drop down a couple of years ago. A lot of uh, interesting movements been an impactful year for them. Mary Ellen Mondi says, big shout out to team at XBO for their COVID measures and support. And Lance Healy says, XBO Connect is great stuff and great teams to work with. Diversity and inclusion, Rhonda says, professionals way back, tough challenges. 
So a lot of people chiming in, uh, get in the comment section and join the conversation. But now we're going to dial out to someone I used to work very closely with. It's Jill Clifford at Aborn and Company. She's the president over there. Aborn and Company is a 4PL dealing in the trucking space. And what they do is optimize people's supply chain solutions. Jill Clifford, you are on What the Truck with Dooner and the Dude. Long time no speak, young lady. Hello. How are you? <laughs> how, are things, how are things going up in, uh, in uh, Norwell? Oh, everything's great. We miss you terribly, but everything's really, really great. So uh, right before you came on, I was uh, Michael Vincent was excited. He spent like the first uh, 18 or 28 or 38. It depends on what day you ask him years in LTL. He knows a lot. Of, <laughs> he knows a lot about the space. And today we we're going to get a little bit more into we're going to do a little bit more of a, uh, a guts of freight segment. Just a little how LTL freight works. But you do this all the time with your whiteboard series. Uh, Kyle sent me a video of the whiteboard series so listeners can get an idea of how you're educating the market. Let's roll that tape really quick and then we'll jump into some uh, some little tips to work work with when you're dealing with LTL. So today we're going to talk about less than truckload and how less than truckload moves. So today we're going to talk about why LTL pricing is so confusing. Okay, so today we're going to talk about truckload accessorials. So a flatbed is not a covered trailer. It's simply just what it sounds like. Just a flat trailer with no sides, no roof. Well, why is that? So flatbeds are used because you can offload and onload a, a flatbed product from any side, from the front or back of the trailer, or from the sides. The goal is to figure out what's on the pallet, how much space does that pallet take up on the truck, and then what's in the pallet. So how many loads do you ship in your lanes? Identify all of them. Wow, fascinating. And Jill, I, I've worked with Jill. She taught me almost everything I know about LTL oh, and, and, and vetting character and carriers and all of that stuff. But you know what we should maybe focus on? Because one thing I learned while working with you guys was that a lot of freight is misclassified in LTL. So what does that mean and why is that the case? And how are, how are shippers losing money through misclassifications, Jill? Yeah, great. So shippers are losing money through mis- misclassifications usually because they're honestly misinformed. Really important to understand the product you're shipping and determine that product's actual freight class. Um, and how do you do that? So that's through the NMFC. Um, you can buy a license for it. Pretty easy to figure out. I'm shipping widgets. I'm, sh- I'm shipping food. I'm shipping furniture. Uh, and what is the actual class of that product? And typically what you're going to do is you're going to negotiate an FAK. But real important to understand what your actual class is when negotiating with LPL carriers. Um, if not, they're going to figure it out for you. Um, and they may tend to go a higher freight class than you actually believe they should. <laughs> that is a true statement, Jill. I, I, I was a, uh, W and I inspector as were all the supervisors back on the, uh, break bulk docs during my LTL yeah. days, which was not 30 years ago. It was, <laughs> well, actually it was 30 years ago. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, no, it's uh, tricky. yeah and and, it, and that's what it was it was a lot of it was ignorance and we used to we actually had a service where we go out and help people specifically with the packaging because they would ha- not right. only misclassify their freight but then they'd be shipping it in the wrong type of containers and they don't even realize that there are specific boxes for specific weight strengths burst strengths etc oh you know we 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 do this work all the time with clients where 
they're shocked when they have a 3,000-pound pallet in an LCL environment that's traveling, you know, 3,000 miles, and they don't understand why it's damaged when it shows up because the, the weight of the pallet is literally falling into itself. One, because it's too heavy, and two, because it's not packaged properly. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of discussion around that. And it's important. Uh, and, you know, and the biggest thing is if you're, even if you're shipping mixed products, it becomes very difficult because you can have a pallet that has a class 250 on it and a class 85, right? So then what you really have to That's understand right. is what, what is really my shipping dimensions? What are my pounds per cubic foot of these pallets? Because that's where you want to negotiate your pricing from. How much room is it taking in that truck? Is it stackable? Is it packaged correctly? That's really going to help the carrier cost the freight and cost it the right way. And you don't want them controlling those decisions. You want to control them as a shipper. You want to really understand how your freight works in their environment. Yeah, Jill, you are a, right. Jill's a big advocate of having freight agnostic audits because you know, almost any intermediary in the supply chain, be, be it a broker or a 3PL, someone, they're going to have some sort of interest. They're going to have some sort of strength. Uh, and they may not look as closely at things like these classifications that we are talking about. How, how much savings do you typically uncover when you are reviewing someone's LTL freight and, and seeing how, uh, how their freight flow is going? How much improvement is needed? You know, and it, it depends on who the, if it, so let's say they're working today with a broker, a third party that's managing their LTO. Um, a lot of times you find in there maybe 10 to 15%. And really it's because a lot of brokers become very transactional. So they're not looking at this piece of business transact. They're looking at it transactionally and not strategically because what they're doing is they're putting it out to the spot market to the asset LTO carrier. So what we see a lot in the industry, just specifically to LTL, is if you're working with a third party, they don't tend to just work with one LTL or two LTL assets, which may make the most sense for you as the shipper. They tend to work with a lot of them. And we see disruption in service when you do that. So having that benchmarking audit done to really understand costs is crucial if you're having a hard time understanding, okay, not only how does my freight class and what does it, what's its loadability, but what is the LTL market and how do you negotiate those rates? It's not easy. It's, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, we always say that there's a bit of an art to it and then there's all kinds of data science to support it. Yeah, it certainly isn't easy. And you and your statement rung true with me is is you don't want to let the carriers make those decisions once they've got your freight because there's specific <laughs> things in there. If you misclassify it and you've got mixed freight or mixed classes on a pallet, legally yeah. inside the NMFC, they're allowed to classify that freight at the highest class that's on that on that pallet, which is going to cost you money. Correct. correct. Yeah, and you know, correct. And prior to Aborn, I, w- I was at two large LPO carriers, and, you know, we did that work, and when in doubt, go high, right? If you're going to put the risk on the carrier and you're not going to bring them the actual information of that shipment, what's in that shipment, you leave them with the work to figure it out. You're putting the risk on them, and when they take on more risk, they're going to charge you for it. Well, yeah, Absolutely. Jill, fascinating stuff. The other thing that people have to look out for with LTL is accessorials. How do LTL accessorials work? Yeah, they're a big pain in the touch. So, um, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> Nobody likes paying those, be, do they? No. It used to be there were a handful of standards, right? And now it's anyone's guess. I think sometimes they make them up. But again, 
You know, and if you don't know, don't be afraid to sit down with these carriers and have this open discussion that, look, at this is my freight. These are my customers. This is where I ship from. How the heck does this work? Because you're going to have fuel surcharge. You're going to have appointments. You're going to have lift gate requirements. You may be delivering into road, remote areas and you didn't even know they were remote. You can do, if you have some good data, you can have all of those discussions, get all of those pieces lined up before you go out to bid. If you're shipping to big box retail and a grocery warehouses, you know, you're, you've got a whole set of accessorials that are going to make you nuts. Um, you're going to have sort and seg charges. You're going to have lumber charges. Sometimes you get charged both on one invoice and you got to figure those things out. But what we say, you know, for a while in the industry, we saw shippers would go to LTL carriers and say, I'm not paying any accessorials. I'm not paying fuel. I'm not paying appointment charges. I'm not paying hazmat fees. I'm paying nothing. And so again, what happens? The carrier says, okay, we'll waive everything. You've given us all the risk and we're just going to charge a higher rate. Yeah. Um, because let, yeah. let's say you are, let's say you are a hazmat shipper, but it only represents 6% of your overall weight. Why would you negotiate a hazmat waiver? You want to make the carrier call on handling the accessorials, negotiate the accessorials fee, and then negotiate discounts off of the rates and FAK. Ah. Uh, we can't let you leave on Absolutely. that cliffhanger, right? We can't let her leave on that cliffhanger. How do you how do you negotiate the discount if you could give that into a, an elevator pitch? Sure, you got to start with the base rate. Yeah. Uh, our recommendation is always to go with a common base rate that all carriers adopt. If you don't do that, you're going to get discounts from carriers, and they're going to be off of their base rates, and all of the carriers' base rates are different. So if you have an eighty percent discount with XPO, with ABF, with FedEx, you think you're looking good. It's going to cost you the same amount to ship the same exact shipment with one of those three carriers. But if they're on base rates, you're going to have a different cost every time. So level set your negotiations and use a common base rate. Wow, Jill. Well, keep up the great work educating the industry. If people Thank want, you. If people want more of your informative content, I know the web address because I initially built the website. But tell them where to go. <laughs> you did it so well. We missed you. Uh, it's uh, andco.com. You can also hit us up on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's Joe Clifford. Um, definitely reach out. We love talking about freight. We love talking about LCL. You know, our founder and myself came from uh, LCL carrier operations. So we have a lot of knowledge and a lot of years of knowledge. He's not for me. I'm young. He's old. But yeah, we had a lot of good stuff. <laughs> she took a shot at you, Russ. She's coming for you, Russ. <laughs> hey, say hi. Say hi to Russ and Steve for me and, and all the team over I there. Know. I appreciate you guys. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Take care. Bye. She knows. She knows a lot, Michael Vincent. That they taught me a ton. She's there. awesome. I was. I was hoping we had more time there, Duna. I wanted to talk to her about her thoughts between you know class rate, class based rating, and uh, density based rating. You know, that's been a discussion for years. We'll we'll bring her back. We're, not, we're I think we're the only country on a planet that still uses the uh, NNMFC in class rates. Well, uh, let's ask the audience right now. Do you want us to bring back Jill in the future and do a slightly longer Guts of LTL segment? Maybe we could give it 15 or a, a double go. segment and really dive into it. Because I know that all three of us could really, really get into the nitty gritty there. Maybe that'll be a special on LTL we'll do if we get bored. But we could also do it on the show. Let us know in the comments if that would interest you. In the meantime, we got to yeah. go talk to, we got another play it forward. We got uh, a friend of uh, our own, Phil Moody, out of Nashville, Tennessee. It's a gentleman named Jeff Boswell. Uh, he is a recruiter at Universal Cap... Univ- Universal Cap... 
capacity. I want to say capital, but it's capacity. Universal. Universal capacity Thank solutions. You. Thank, Thank you. you in, in Nashville, Tennessee, right? <laughs> Jeff Boswell. All right, let me bring him up real quick. He's gonna. He's he's got a full on band. You know, the production on these videos we're getting sent is quite a bit. De- Amanda Miller says yes, a hundred percent. Lance Lee says great knowledge base, but category disagree with single base rate is a relic. That's a fun debate for another time. Oh, maybe Lance will have to join us. On that conversation, yeah. Michael uh, Michael Vincent, Lance, what is just That's real right. quick? Give us a give us a taste. What is your side of the argument on on that debate? In the meantime, we're gonna talk to Jeff Boswell. He's I think he just picked up the phone. You're on the line with Duner and the Dude. What's up, man? Jim, how are you? We're 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 doing great. We were just we we're talking about LTL, and we almost got drawn into an LTL debate, and we also realized we had you on the line, so we uh, we got our focus back on ADD. Don't strike now. You guys should have LTL trivia for people that are like me and they have just enough LTL knowledge in order to be dangerous. Uh, just, just see if you can uh, give away prizes to see how much people really know. That's a whole world into itself. I'll tell you that. Oh, it is. Yeah. It, the oh, whole, yeah. Every little, every little vertical, every little avenue you get into supply chain is completely different. I mean, even the LTL, you talk about a classification and LTL, people are talking about the type of, the type of freight it is on a pallet. You talk, you say it to someone who works for a global 3PL, they think you're talking about a tariff number, an HTS tariff number for our goods coming from overseas. So we don't even use the same language with, we use the same language, but it means different things with one another. It leads to a lot of miscommunication sometimes. Absolutely. Duner, one of the one of the big things there too. Well, look at a trailer that's a look at a forty eight foot trailer or two pups or whatever, and you look at several hundred different shipments on there, all different types of commodities, et cetera, and then decide what type of hazardous placard to put on that trailer. There's there's (laughs) there's an argument. How how is that settled? How who settles that? You got to go to your. uh... There's there's specific rules, but I've always contended. I mean, during my time, there was anybody who tells you they're a hazmat expert for LTL, they're lying because nobody is. It's it's very difficult to figure out exactly which placards need to go and where they need to be placed, etc. It's not fun. Jeff, did you uh, speaking of less than truckload? Did you see that guy on the hood that we were playing at the beginning, or have you seen that viral video online? I have not, but I've wondered ever since I reach out to some friends and let them know I was going to be talking to you guys today. I'm like, man, I wonder if they're going to think I was the guy that's on that hood. I better do some explaining later. Oh, wow. Well, you are, <laughs> you're a wow, but you got a band. We're going to, we're about to play the video. So just introduce the video for us and then production will roll the tape. Sure. Sure. So this is a video from June of last year, back when we could still play live music. I have a little original thing that I've done over the last few years and just had a couple of kids in the last three years and have decided to start playing out again. Luckily, I got to do it a few times before everything happened with the pandemic. So this is a, a place called Little Harpeth Brewing. A couple of people I'm in another band with called Guilty Pleasures, an 80s cover band, participated with me and a lot of fun having the chance to be able to play original music out. So uh, it's a blast for me. It's what I like to call my golf compared to a lot of people's hobbies uh, oh, you're, during this world. Yeah, mine's Legos. Okay. <laughs> and hiking. Actually, hike. there's so much great hiking in, uh, in the trails. I was up the Craven's house this weekend, Michael Vincent. Fascinating stuff. You're in Tennessee. Jeff, you've probably been on some of these trails in Chattanooga. Even, even the greenways in Nashville are excellent for uh, jogging and, and trying to keep in shape. haven't had a chance to do that in Chattanooga, but as soon as the thing is get back to normal. We'd love to have the chance to do that. Absolutely. You can play live on here with Phil Moody. I'm still trying to get him to break out that Nord and play, uh, do a play it forward with us. But in the meantime, let's play that. Let's play that video production. Roll the tape. Let's see what Jeff has going on. Let's evaluate his skills.
exciting. Wow. So, Jeff, uh, has COVID taken a bite out of your uh, your live performing? It has. Um, unfortunately, one of the things that I had going on in town here has been part, for the last 18 years, I've been part of an 80s cover band called Guilty Pleasures. Uh, Guilty Pleasures Nashville on Instagram. Guilty Pleasures Dash Nashville on Facebook. A little plug there for you. A collective of people that are phenomenal musicians. And our big thing is putting together a show where we make the show sound just like the record. So if you're at our show, you listen to the song we're playing, you shut your eyes, you think you're listening to the CD. That's the, that's our big thing. And we're fortunate enough to have a group of people that come and enjoy the songs and have a good time. And we don't really want to do anything like that again under any kind of restriction because we just don't feel like it's safe. And we would rather move forward when all of this is over, however that may be, to where we can have a full capacity regular show. And at some point we hope to do that. But until then, we're going to hold off just to play it safe. And of course, all of us miss it. We're all in touch. And uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for all of us to still kind of pretend rock star you're in front of 500 people and they're listening to songs that they already like so uh <laughs> definitely definitely missing that it, it's it's kind of part-time income for me too so there's that but uh i, I have to have some, something to supplement buying uh gear and trying to play original music yeah well that's why you have that hey, side Je- gig hey, <laughs> jeff <laughs> jeff mike vincent here so my my wife is a huge 80s nut um and uh so i'm you know a little bit earlier in that i was 70s punk and that type of stuff but <laughs> Uh, what what's your go to band, man? What's your favorite? What's your eighties? What's your eighties tunes? And you think, ah, this is the band. This is the one that gets me moving. Or or when you're out, we're performing. What's your favorite one? Isn't Guilty Pleasure yeah. a Barbara Streisand album? Michael Vincent, it, Jeff. It, it, <laughs> very, it very well could be. Maybe my parents have that. It's quite possible my parents have that on. <laughs> there is there is there is a song, uh, a duet she did with Andy. No, uh, sorry, Barry Gibb from mm-hmm. the BGs called called Guilty. And our band has covered that song. It's hard to to decide, Michael. Sometimes you go through a phase where you have a favorite band, depending on the period of time, and it depends on what week it is. So sometimes it's The Smiths. Sometimes it's Simple Minds. There's a lot of different music that I've been exposed to through a lot of music nerds and, and record store workers that have turned me on to a lot of cool stuff from the 80s that's not super popular, but... I would say, as far as vocal delivery, any band that would be of both musicianship and vocal point of view, I would think NXS would probably be my favorite. That that's kind of oh, my yeah. favorite thing. I get to sing the NXS tunes as part of our group, and it's so much fun. That guy was just from another planet. His vocal ability. Yeah, absolutely. So- hundred hundred percent agree. I, I love I love some NXS, and I'll play it, and and someone will be hearing it. Like, Who is that? I'm like, that's NXS. Like, no way. I mean, they were so diverse and and awesome. Great pick. I agree with you. Well, well, Jeff, absolutely. Jeff, how do people uh, how do people learn more about you, man? Thanks for playing it forward on the show. Sure, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. You can get together with me on LinkedIn under Jeff Boswell. I'm on Facebook, Jeffrey Stephen Boswell. I haven't cranked out my original stuff yet. More specifically, a couple of things I wanted to point out. Currently, because of the pandemic, the first group or business to close is unfortunately all the live music venues. Tons of them in Nashville, quite a few in Chattanooga, all over the country. And there is a program called Save Our Stages. So if you just go Google Save Our Stages, there's an opportunity for you to get involved in order to support all the venues. You know, they're going to be the last business to open when all of this is over. So 
we can't have live music now and all of the independent venues are in danger of closing permanently unless something's done about this. So that's super duper important. Uh, another thing I'd like to plug for all of you folks that are either in a situation where you're working from home or would be guitar players, there's a channel on YouTube called homeschooling. That's homeschooling with a K session player in Nashville named Tom Bukovac who's played on, you name the record he's played on it, has played on tour with Vince Gill, John Fogarty, Faith Hill, uh, most recently Joe Walsh. He's got a great lessons program. Bazillions of dollars of guitar advice and lessons that he uh, through a PayPal tip jar he gives that information away cool. for free. So I definitely want to recommend those things. Nice. Thank you very much, man. Thanks for using the platform to, to help out some of the musicians out there too. We really appreciate it. Jeff Boswell, Amen. everybody, take it easy, man. Wow, he played it, he played it forward. But you know what we gotta do now? We gotta get into some big deal. Yeah. Do, do I do I recognize that riff? Do you right? I think you played that riff. You played that riff, man. That was speaking of 80s songs, right? That was a little take on a little twist on an 80s song. We had to tweak it for, you know, obviously copyright reasons. It was and in the it was in the style of Easy Lover, right? <laughs> Is how you announce that, right? I think so. I think it was in the style. Uh inspired by Inspired, inspired by, by yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Emily Zink is here. Um, we are going to talk about big deal, little deal. I, some people are requesting that we play that video one more time. Can you play with no sound just in the background? We're talking to Emily here to satisfy a few of the people. Also, Michael, someone t- or Emily, someone just texted me and asked if I was wearing a treasure map. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I put in the comment section on LinkedIn, if you go there, I actually put the video there for people to see because we have it up on FreightWaves.com right now. So um, if you scroll through the comment section on LinkedIn or just go to the homepage of FreightWaves.com, you could see that crazy video. But uh, it's still a developing news story, as we saw over the weekend. More and more is coming out to this story, but I see why so many people want to see that story. But are you guys ready for some big deal, little deal? Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bring it. Okay. Well, this is another headline story you may have seen earlier today on FreightWaves.com. EKA and FreightWaves announced channel partner collaboration. Vincent, big deal or a little deal on this one? Uh, uh, <laughs> I think it's a huge deal uh, for two reasons. One, uh, it's FreightWaves, and um, it is something near and dear to my heart. Obviously, FreightWaves is. Uh, but, uh, you know, the channel partnership and the ca- collaboration and the integration of the data sets and the technology to be able to bring it in, put it into a TMS, and then mix it with your own data to add those extra signals to find out what is going on, trend out the freight markets, see where capacity is moving and the rates, et cetera, being able to do this stuff is is it's a huge deal moving moving forward for for rate and the use of uh capacity etc we saw home depot reduced emissions by 10 percent uh recently and it was through optimization of route and cube utilization that they did it it wasn't electrified trucks etc there's so much out there that can be done as far as improvement of transparency of rates and capacity to uh reducing emissions it's a huge deal 
Yeah, you know, data's nothing without being actionable, right? It's it's great to look at, but you still need to analyze it. You still need to, to, to know what to do with it. And that's part of what EKA is doing here. Their smart pricing value-add tools will enable it to ingest FreightWave sonar data with the actionable intelligence and blend it with unique customer data to deliver those targeted and improved pricing decisions for each specific use case of the EKA broker. And that right there is why it's a big deal, because that each specific use case analyzing distilling and putting the data in ways that people can make it function. Well, volumes continue to roll. They're up 29% year over year. Dooner, big deal or little deal on this one? You know, there was almost a civil war in freight just a couple months ago when all, you know, people, there were, there were truckers sitting in front of, they had a sit-in in front of the White House blaring their horns for two weeks. They got that sack of MAGA hats. Um, but you know what? It didn't take regulation. It took more volume. And now the DHL Pricing Power Index, Supply Chain Pricing Power Index, is sitting at an 80, which is the highest that scale's ever been at, meaning the pricing power, the scepter, is held firmly by the carriers right now. Regulation be damned, and it's being driven on a... Outbound tender volume, but here's the thing too. Zach Strickland just wrote an article over the weekend that said he expects this to continue on throughout August. Uh, Michael Vincent, I think this is a pretty big deal. Are you as optimistic as I am? Uh, absolutely, it's it's a huge deal, and I'm I'm with Zach on this. I don't see anything that's going to stop this. The headwinds are anxiety over what the government's going to do in the stimulus package, et cetera. Things are rolling. We're going to continue to open up. Uh, things are moving well. Cargo. We talked to uh, uh, Schreiber from uh, Rickenbacker Air Cargo. Record months at 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 Rickenbacker there in Columbus. We see improvements in imports on uh, uh, on the maritime side as as well. And we're seeing more and more markets that are that are contributing to this this trend. And it's not a a a a spike. The biggest thing to look at in this is it's not a spike like it was during the beginning of the pandemic when we held that preponomics, uh, as as Anthony Smith, our lead economist, coined the phrase preponomics. It's not that. This is a long, steady climb, and it does not appear to be going away. It's a huge deal. Yeah, and the yearly comparisons are stunning, too, just before we move on from this. Up 30%, 31% over 2019, 34% above 2018 value. Exciting stuff. It really is. And, and the other the other part about this is, you know, it's it's not just us showing this. We talk to carriers. We talk to brokerage. We talk to shippers. Capacity is tight. Volumes are flowing. DAT Solutions came out with their reports from July and June, a month, two months ago, showing that the the load to truck ratios show extremely tight situations, which we were reporting on a daily basis at that time. Real time information on what's going on. OTVI is up. It doesn't look like it's going down. Well, it's no surprise electrification in the automobile industry is increasing. In order to stay relevant, though, electric vehicles will have to be comparably priced and perform equally to internal combustion vehicles. Vincent, big deal or little deal on this one? Uh, I, I think it's a it's it's a big deal that that they're coming out and they're coming out faster. We we need them to come out. I, I firmly believe in taking care of our planet and, and reducing our carbon uh, footprints. Uh, if the question is, does the expense have to be there? It absolutely does. I mean, when it comes down, it's the bottom line. But there's more and more pressure on on companies to have green initiatives. I mean, that you know, smart way, et cetera, has been around for a long, long time. But there's more and more from the investor side on your social responsibility. And one of those things, obviously, is emissions. I think it's a big deal. 
Well, sure. And these things aren't these electric companies, even though they're high tech, they're not completely automated. This is going to create a a new job class entirely if people have to work on these complex systems. I know that some assembly line workers, like you mentioned, they have they have some fear of being replaced. But this is technology. You know, these are technology and vehicles. You know, chuck wagons moved forward, uh, buggy whips move forward, all of those kind of things. So you can't hinder progress just because someone might lose a job. And I don't say that to sound insensitive. I'm just saying that's that's the way business rolls. So the best thing to do is to understand that this trend is happening, or as uh, Morin Price, CEO of IRP System, says, even if its current adoption rate is small globally, there is no chance for a trend reversal towards internal combustion technology in the future. So get ahead of it and be aware of it. Well, Lord & Taylor is just another clothing retailer to file for bankruptcy. Dooner, big deal or little deal on this one? Well, Emily, I know you posted recently on Twitter and you were lamenting what was going on with Ann Taylor. I know that you have a, uh, a strong emotional tie to that, right? From your past and your background, you're very familiar with the company. Lord & Taylor, they're a company that's been around since 1826. They did a deal about a year ago, $100 million deal with a startup called Latote. It hasn't really worked out. They both filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Retail's getting slaughtered. You know, we talked above about outdated models in the last one, right? This one uh, is just, it's, you know, it's coming. This is coming to a lot of these companies that are out there and have that much exposure to needing that foot traffic in malls or however they're luring customers in. They've got to get, uh, they got to get ahead of this, the digital curve and the, the e-com curve, you know, people just are not going to malls like they used to. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a big deal. I, the importance of the the trend, I guess, is 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 the big deal here. I mean, for the people at Lord and Taylor's, obviously a huge a huge deal. Uh, but overall, to the retail and the economy and moving forward, the importance of staying on top of things and diversifying and pivoting, as Dooner points out, people aren't going to malls. I don't think they're going back anytime soon, if ever, not not in the numbers that were before. So retail's got to pivot, otherwise, you go the way of a Lord and Taylor, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's a big deal. Emily, how do you feel about this one? Because we got Neiman Marcus, J. Crew, J.C. Penney, Brooks Brothers, um, Ann Taylor, and The Loft also. Yeah, I find this, you had mentioned this at the beginning, I find this really strange that Latote had purchased Lord and Taylor about a year ago, and now both are seeking bankruptcy protection. And Latote, I actually use that service. I usually, I still use it now, but I used it a lot when I was on TV. And it's oh. a clothing rental service. And that was supposed to be what was going to save the fashion retail industry, renting clothes. I know Rent the Runway is extremely popular. Latote is a startup. So to me, the fact that Latote is even struggling says something about the retail industry right now. And yes, I came from Ann Taylor, which was purchased by the Asina Group. They have now filed for bankruptcy. And I, I knew it was coming. People don't come into stores anymore, even though I like that face-to-face -face connection. I like trying on the clothes. Most people want that e-commerce quick convenience of ordering online next day or two days later, it's at their front door. So I, I think it's only a matter of time before malls are completely extinct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna yeah. not gonna argue with there. I mean, there maybe there's smaller footprints just doing showrooming, like uh, you know, like Best Buy started to do. Best Buy did this great pivot. They brought in this guy who was from the hotel sector. He knew hospitality. They bring him in and they start subleasing floors so people can showcase their wares. Maybe that's the the future, uh, like micro stores within malls. Not really sure, but we're going to be reporting about more and more of these things going out of business as time goes on. Unfortunately. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, Mondelez, a company that's actually been doing extremely well during the pandemic, and it's actually the company behind the Oreos. So I think that's 
probably why it's doing so well. Mm. Announced it's looking to trim 25 percent of its SKUs to move to gain market share. Vincent, big deal or little deal on this one? Well, I, I'm not sure what the SKUs are. If the SKUs involve the, you know, double stuff or something like that, then I think it's a huge deal and it's tragic. <laughs> but, I, don't but, th- I don't think. But it's, if they're I looking to get rid of the, you know, the bubblegum flavored ones and yeah. that type of stuff, then I think it's a, I think it's a little deal. But it, it, it does. It is a sign of the times, right? You, you simplify uh, and and focus on your core business is what people are trying to do right now to gain market share and trim costs and survive. I got to agree with you. And a lot of people, they would read, they might say like, oh, they're trimming SKUs by 25%. It's because they're in trouble. But as Emily said, it's not, it's actually been driving their growth, right? The company, the company cites their supply chain execution as being the driver here. Their CEO, Dick Van Put, he says, Dick Van Put. I don't know that. <laughs> Our supply chain has kept functioning quite well through a shortage of labor or lockdowns, providing us with a competitive advantage. About 85% of the company's revenue came from that gained market share, and they feel that reducing to use, not putting those Oreos that people don't want and putting more of those double stuffs that people do want, has created more visibility and sold more of their SKUs during the pandemic. But you know what? A lot of people have also been kind of like locked down and depressed and eating too. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't make gigantic sweeping changes just based off COVID data just because of how much of an anomaly it is. But it does make sense to reduce some SKUs. You go in a grocery store, I don't know, they got birthday cake Oreo, regular Oreo. I just need the regular. I just need regular Oreo, Emily. Right on. Regular. Yeah, there's too many. There was a Pop Rocks one, like you said, mm. birthday cake. There's been some weird ones. So, yeah, just regular double stuff to keep it at that. Well, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know that the NBA, the MLB, and the NHL are all back. But recently, some college football players and also NFL players say that they are potentially wanting to opt out of this upcoming season, stating fears of the coronavirus. Dooner, big deal or little deal on this one? I I mean, you could see this coming from a mile away, I feel like. Like, who did not see this happening? Like, a month ago, when the Texas Rangers staffers who went into the building first, almost immediately, a bunch of them started getting COVID. Now, like, the entire Florida Marlins team gets COVID. The coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson, has COVID. You have eight Patriots so far going on the opt-out COVID list. You have um, you have uh, uh, Matt Stafford of the Lions. He's going on the opt-out COVID list. And then you have the Pac-12 players saying that they're not playing and making very strong statements about how we're not even professionals. You know, you're everyone else is making money off us, but us, and we have to risk our health. It's a, it's a tough time, not just for sports, for everything that's trying to open up right now, in, including schools. I'm in that situation with my own kids, just putting them into regular kindergarten, elementary school. There's not a lot of guidance out there. So this is a huge deal, and sports is just, a microcosm of many of the uh, the challenges that we're facing right now and we are going to face going into the fall. I, I echo everything that uh, Dooner just said. I could restate it again, but he said it very, very well, and I would just be beating a dead horse. But in addition to this being a big deal for all of those reasons, uh, it's a big deal for all of us fans out there. Uh, you know, it, we, you need those diversions from life and the stresses that are going on, particularly in this time as mental health is a big issue, et cetera. And don't discount the fact that you don't have those outlets to kind of take your mind off of it. And, you know, my love college football, it's just that mindless hate uh, that is really <laughs> enjoyable just because you root for this team and I root for this team, that, that playful kind of banter and ha 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 we beat you type of stuff is gone but it's a great stress reducer don't discount the fact that this is a big stress on society not having these sports if this if this continues yeah
Yeah, really, really good point there. You you don't think about it like that. It's not just the players who don't want to play, but also the fans. This is their outlet, and this is this is entertainment for people. So people are going to be needing to look elsewhere for entertainment. And I think we've kind of exhausted everything. We've watched all the Netflix documentaries. We've watched all the series. So hopefully they at least come out with Tiger King point, 2.0 or something. <laughs> well, I think this is a big deal, but... I'll ask you guys. Five Freight Waves podcast feeds are now charting right now in Apple Podcast Business News Top 100. Vincent, big deal or little deal? It, it, it's a. I think it's a. I think it's a really big deal, and and not just because of the obvious that it's that it's Five Freight Waves podcasts. I happen to be on one of those podcasts, uh, uh, which is awesome, and it's a huge deal, and it's a great honor. But I also think it's a it's a big deal for the industry because logistics, freight. Uh, air freight, trucking, LTL, et cetera, it's becoming sexy and people are taking notice of it. And and it's really the stressor of COVID and the importance of supply chain and getting what you need and getting those essential, the PPEs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And also then you're waiting two weeks for two months for Amazon mm-hmm. Prime instead of two days, et cetera. It's really brought into the forefront and people are understanding that this is a really, really interesting and great uh, industry and it's going to attract more and more talent. I agree. You know, so I was I was reading someone who did an interview. Uh, it wasn't one of our shows, but he said nothing more niche than being on a freight podcast. And I took a little umbrage with that because I'm doing everything in my damn just to make these these shows mainstream and acceptable and palatable to people. And our five shows are not the only ones on there. Logistics of Logistics is another one that is charting in the top 100. It's amazing to see at least eight shows on there, but even more because it's What the Truck, Freightcast, Morning Minute, Great Quarter Guys, and Freightwaves Insiders. But Freightcast has every single Freightwaves podcast. So Michael Vincent, you are on there multiple times, not just with What the Truck. You're also on there with Midday Market Update, which is on tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want any of these shows, subscribe to Freightcast, subscribe to What the Truck on your favorite podcast player of choice. Download the Freightwaves TV app. You can watch all this stuff. If you missed the video at the beginning, rewatch this when it goes on demand in a few hours or go to Freightwaves.com where that story is up. It's also all over the Internet now as well. B- big viral video for, for many different reasons. You can find me on the Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. You can find him at Vincent the Dude and her at Emily Zink, that's S Z I N K. Sometimes she'll picture, she'll put up a picture of her lovely dog Annie. Right, Emily? <laughs> yes, I. That's probably what I post the most is my dog Annie. But yeah, if you like dog pics, go to my Twitter. Michael Vincent, are they gonna are they gonna ban TikTok this week? I'm sorry, what's that now? They're banning TikTok this week? It's getting banned? Uh, no TikToks for me. All right, <laughs> so you don't even care. Stay safe Peace out there. Love. Stay off the hood. Peace and love. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back Friday.